Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not so solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Chloe Maviel joins Graham McMillan and myself for a two hour episode talking about bad but horny movies. Fist of the North Star, Sam Keith Comics, Moon Knight, Volume 4 of Lawless. Pacing in Comics, Star Wars, and much, much more. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeffrey Goldblum Lester! <laughs> Graham, surprisingly high-pitched McMillan, how are you? Hello there! <laughs> Okay, now I'm Jeff. Jeff, let me tell you. Uh, yes. Just before recording, uh, I went to a place to pick up some dinner, and the place was run by an Irishman who got so excited upon hearing me speak, he stopped taking my order to be like, "Are you Irish?" <laughs> oh no! Did you did you like lie and say yes? No, I I told him the truth. Oh. He was still excited. He was still like, where in Scotland are you from? Anyway, I'm going to stop talking because don't forget, it's not just you and me who's on this. There's also Chloe. Oh, no, I found that very charming. That uh, <laughs> What was it? You said about how long it is it, will it take? And he said about as long as it does in a Glasgow chip shop. And he was he was right. Wow. It took about as long as a Glasgow chip shop, yeah. That's, that's an actual measurement of time. On, on a related note, um, I am now feeling very nauseous. <laughs> Oh, good! I'm so glad this is going to be another winter episode. Uh, well, what what exactly did you guys have from the Irish shop that measures it? It was, an, it was an Irish fish and chip shop. Oh, lovely! Uh, and I ordered a burger before I realized, and this is really down. It to, was a deep fried burger. Yeah, this is really down to me not reading the menu. Uh, mm. I didn't realize it was a deep fried burger, but Jeff, it wasn't just a deep fried burger. It was deep fried with bacon. <laughs> I uh, mean, it sounds like that should be a kind of thing you would do, Graham. You would have thought that you would have known what was happening when it was called the You're Gonna Shit Forever Burger. <laughs> it was called the Halfway In, You're Gonna Think You're Having a Heart Attack Burger. Wow. I gotta tell you. Coronary the... Who. <laughs> yes, That's indeed. From Doctor Who? The Big Mac Heart Attack. So, well, uh, apart from the nausea, Chloe, how are you? Wait, hold on, everyone. I should mention, we are welcoming back to, uh, wait, what? The delightful and charming Chloe Maviel. Hello. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Not nearly as nauseous as Graham. Very happy about that part. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, don't worry. It's still early in the night. I'm sure you can um, catch up. The night is still young. <laughs> the night is young. And uh, let me tell you, before you called, we were literally looking at Paul Verhoeven films. So <laughs> the, the nausea is yet to come. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Why? Did you guys see one recently? Or were you just kind of uh, like... Okay, well, the background for this... Uh, is really that we watched Showgirls, what, last week? Yeah. Uh, but also, since watching Showgirls, again, a week and a half ago, <laughs> we have been talking about it a lot. And we built an elaborate fictional mythology around it, including the fact that it's originally called TITS, with all in caps with an exclamation point. Um, but I am trying to convince Chloe to start a podcast where she pretends to be Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> 
and just offers commentary on not just Paul Verhoeven films, but other films in the character of Paul Verhoeven. Uh, and you have a, a name for it. Oh, yeah, it's just called Verhova. Oh, oh, I was hoping it would be something like, I'm Verhover it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm never over it. You, Jeff, you don't understand. We, uh, so we've been walking a lot to our local video shop to rent <clears throat> movies, and uh, it's, it's like a 15, 20 minute walk. And the entire walk, we talked about Showgirls twice. <laughs> I, I assume you've seen Showgirls. Yes, although um, not since it first came out, because I believe I, I believe I saw it in the theaters. Because uh, <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> it's not a film that you're like, you know, I have to revisit Showgirls. Except unless you're me. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible this is a film that Chloe's going to rewatch on like an annual basis. Oh, I, I kind of believe that. I kind of definitely, I definitely feel that Showgirls has a certain, um... Well, if you say Chloe energy, I'll cry with joy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, let, let's follow this up by saying, what film do you think that she followed Showgirls up with? Um... Think 90s. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, shit! I can't remember any of the movies that came out in the nineties. Were, um, I don't know. You'll have to tell me what. Uh, well, first it was Velvet Goldmine. Oh, oh, of course. Um, followed the next day by Boxing Helena. Wow. So I'm on a. I'm. I'm on a. Uh, next up is Cat People. By the way. Uh. The the remake, not the not the yeah, original right, Val Luton, right. of course. Like to tell everyone why you want to watch the remake of Cat People, Chloe. <laughs> just just because tell I want to watch Malcolm McDowell hang dong in a movie again. <laughs> Wait, again? Uh, I mean, what dare I ask? What the other? I'm hang... pretty sure he does it in it for a lucky man. He's, he's it's, definitely... a, it's a lucky man. So way back, so way back then, and then he sort of revisits it, and well, it makes sense with cat I mean, people. And also, all. I would be shocked if he's not naked in Caligula. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Ooh, Caligula! I feel like Caligula seems like a potentially good showgirls follow up. Uh, oh, perhaps, but it's going to have to wait until after Cat People and also Girl Six. I shit that... you, know, you know, Jeff. She has a list of movies. Called Bad But Horny Movies that she's working her way through. Oh, you're working your way through the bad and horny ones. I forget, is Girl 6, is that the phone sex operator Spike Lee one or something? Of course you know what that film is. I had to look it up. I was like, I know it's Spike Lee, but I don't know anything about it. And she's like, oh, let me tell you. (laughs) This was after him shaming me, by the way, for being like, I'm going to watch The Hunger very earnestly. And oh. I did. And you know, but you know what? That movie is garbage. I love I love David Bowie, but that that movie was garbage, but I just could give less of a shit for the first five minutes of Peter Murphy from Bauhaus just being hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That's true. I, I think that is I think I my understanding is the hunger got some sort of um like international like uh exclusion from censorship like they were just like oh no we get we got to show this one like yeah, even in, in very yeah, like, deeply it's repressed the move and it's got peter murphy it's it's fine yes right 
they're basically like, well, I mean, you know, that's like Susan Sarandon in her prime too. Like, come on. So it's great because I actually had planned to ask you guys how the movie going was going in 2022, but uh, it's it's gone down the shitter, Jeff. I think you can hear. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We're still I'll... watching a lot of movies. Like today alone, we're... we watched Last Night in Soho and and the Snapper. Snapper. Um, he won't watch kids with me. Because so. I saw kids first time around, and I have absolutely no desire to revisit that. I mean, I kind of get it. I mean, it's kids is such a weird movie in a way. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of like uh, what's it called? Um, ah, uh, shit. What's come the, on? Work with us here, Jeff. I know, I know, I know. What's what's the what's the goddamn uh midnight movie about marijuana it's like reefer madness yeah but for genitalia you know what i mean like it's really a very exploitation based oh no do you know what your kids are doing and it cuts to you know casper like humping a girl while she's passed out and it's just like uh so i don't know i mean here with that description she actually almost passed out on the chair. Reefer <laughs> madness, but for genitals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I stand by that one still. So, oh, well, Jeff, I have a question about, like, uh, maybe not bad, but horny movies. Uh-huh. You're of a, a relatively similar age to me. Do you remember Betty Blue? Oh, I was going to ask if you guys have watched Betty Blue yet. That's so, Chloe, so you've never heard too. of Betty Blue. Really? That's shocking. But here's the thing: Betty Blue is also available to stream literally nowhere. Oh well, yeah, that sort of makes was, sense. Um, neither was uh, neither, uh, was, Boxing neither was Boxing Helena or Velvet Goldmine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank God for Movie Madness, our local video store, uh, which has all of these films and therefore allows us to watch trash. Yeah, it's kind of weird the number of films that just aren't available to stream anymore. Well, I mean, that's kind of... I mean, All these movies get gobbled up by larger and larger companies along the way. And then, and then, of course, some of that stuff gets shunted aside because it's, you know, I mean, there's there's genitalia. I mean, yeah, and also nobody wants to see Velvet Goldmine again. Like I, Velvet Goldmine oh, is shockingly poor. I, I remember being disappointed by it when it came out, mm-hmm. and then clearly my brain had tried to protect me because when we watched it again this week, it we is were both not like, good. "No, it's also great." Oh, no, it's just not good. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I that's is that's Todd Haynes, right? I'm not it sure. Is Todd it Haynes, is. Yeah, yeah, I'm honestly I'm not sure that Todd Haynes has ever directed a movie that I've really liked. What I mean, Superstar? I haven't seen a lot of them. Superstar. Okay, that's the Todd Haynes movie almost no one can see that I've been trying to see for like years. That that what, is no, it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. That movie used to come on like Comedy Central on a loop. No, but also Superstar, like you lived in San Francisco during the Livideo era. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, okay, I never got around to renting it, but come on, that that movie, it it's not like it made the circuits or, I mean, apparently it sounds like it popped up on cable, which is news to me, because the whole idea was he was not allowed to show that commercially at all. I mean... The Barbie people no, and the I'm, Carpenter people were I'm willing to have sure. him killed. Like, I'm surprised. No, I'm surprised that it showed up at Comedy Central because 
The carpenter people got really that. upset about that. Bit. Super pissed. Uh, yeah. Listeners, for those who don't know, Todd Haynes's uh, early breakthrough film is a biography of Karen Carpenter filmed uh, entirely with Barbie Barbies. and Ken dolls. Yeah, which is just genius. Just genius, I think. Hey, you, say that, but it, hey, you say that, but it's also terrible. Oh, well, see, there you go. So it's fucking Todd Haynes is what hey, you're no, saying. No, but it, it's, yeah. it's, put it this way, it's more watchable than Velvet Goldmine. Well, uh, I believe that. It's entirely watchable for two reasons. One, the music, which genuinely is great. Yeah. And two, just like laughing at Ewan McGregor's accent. Uh, one, not, Velvet Goldmine is a so thinly as to barely be non-existent fictionalized uh, memoir of David Bowie, which mm-hmm. also features a fictionally uh, fictionalized version of Iggy Pop called Kurt Wilde as played by Ewan McGregor, who A, is the worst choice to play that role, and B, has an accent which pretends to be American, his, but it's from Lee in Glasgow. His, his accent sounds like what happens when I ask Graham to do his American accent, which is to say that he sounds kind of like John Wayne on Quaaludes. Yeah, if, if like, you're lucky. Like, <laughs> Ewan McGregor is, I mean, I don't know if he's gotten any better at it, but his American accent it was not. just shit. Just shit. I remember watching him at Black Hawk Down, and that was so embarrassing. I was so embarrassed for that guy. That was awful. Yeah. He, he, he did a Fargo, and he was all right in Fargo. I, it was, he, it was it. better than Velvet Underground. Well, I mean, that says nothing. Velvet Underground, Velvet Goldmine, Velvet Goldmine. Let's keep ourselves uh, on point. You yeah, know, sorry. I mean, that... Okay, the other thing, the other problem that I had with it is that there is a certain... Well, okay, I, I feel my biggest problem with Velvet Goldmine is I feel that it borrows a little too heavily from some gay porn tropes, most notably the idea that we're supposed to believe that Christian Bale, who was 27 years old, was playing a, a 15-year-old boy at one oh, point. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Christian Bale, A, his wig does the a lot wig. of work. Oh, the wig. Oh. His wig does more work than his accent work. Yeah. Again, like mm-hmm. what's going on with the accent in the film. But also Christian Bale's whole storyline in that is amazing. Yeah. Christian Bale, uh, what not, plays a journalist who 10 years after fake David Bowie has faked his his, his, his assassination. assassination. Yeah. Is yeah. assigned the the story. He's uh, he's assigned the story to what really happened. And then it turns out that not only does he know what really happened. He was there for all of it and also fucked Iggy Pop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's definitely some things being worked out by Todd Haynes in that film. Oh, yeah, there sure is. And it's like, boy, I sure wanted to fuck Iggy Pop. Like when I was young, I wanted to fuck David Bowie, but now I want to fuck Iggy Pop. Uh, like, it, it, like, we never saw fake David Bowie again, apart from this one concert where everyone saw him. And by the way, you were there. And he's like, that's right. <laughs> I saw that was him. I was there. Oh Jesus! It's, really, it's, it's not also, good. It's so long. It's it like really three is. years long. Now wait, did you guys? So you guys rented this, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Did you watch? Don't they have like a blooper reel or something like that, they, or like they outtakes? Sadly do not. Yeah, they, they, did they sadly not. do not have anything like that. Oh, because I swear to God, the only good thing about that movie, I think, for me, was the fact that the scene where. Um, where Christian Bale and and uh, and Ewan McGregor are getting it on in the hot tub, uh, I think like 
Todd Haynes like literally called cut and didn't bother to tell them. And so they're just like continuing to like play hump for like 10 minutes until one of them's like, wait a minute. You know, so yeah, I thought that was that's my favorite. You, uh, part you, I'm sorry. Yes, I think you've activated Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> She's like bang, 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 to the internet's. Um, yeah, well, those films are terrible. They're... Oh, speaking of Iggy Pop, though, so uh, 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 with boxing Helena, at one point or another, uh, take off the glasses and and add some like extra patheticness to the the central plot of the movie and julian sands i swear to god looks like if iggy pop like when iggy pop got clean put on like 10 pounds and then like if he became a republican that's what julian sands looks like in that movie you know it's the most fascinating thing i've ever seen that's interesting that's i can i can really see where julian sands might have has ever heard in his life So, because Sherilyn Fenn is in that movie, and I don't need anything else. That was basically a review of Boxing Helena. Oh, oh, oh fuck! God. Well, have you seen Two Moon Junction yet, Chloe? I have not. Oh, no. dude! If you like Sherilyn Fenn and cheesy sex, you gotta watch Two Moon Junction. She's oh, literally Jeff. taking note of this right now, Jeff. Why would you do this? Sorry, man. And and let me tell you, that movie sucks. It's from <laughs> Zalman King, the maker of Red Shoe Diaries. And, oh, uh, God. Am yeah. I correct in saying that Two Moon Junction also stars David Duchovny, or am I making that up? I can't remember. I don't think so. Because he, he, he introduced all of Red Shoe Diaries. But I think it's Sherilyn Fenn and, like, some ridiculous steroid case who used to get a lot of direct-to-video work back in the 80s and 90s with long hair. Billy somebody or other. I think Billy, it was the guy who Billy played... Billy <laughs> Yeah. Who's the guy who played the lawnmower man in The Lawnmower Man? Oh, shit. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, is he not Jeff something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, that's Jeff Fahey. I'm, maybe I'm wrong, unless I'm right. Oh, Jesus. Okay, now i got to fucking look this up. Okay, anyway, <laughs> Chloe, th- believe me, Two Moon Junction, so up your alley, it's kind of terrible. Um, I, okay, but here's no, what, thank you, Jeff. Here's what I need. Is it... Uh, my, my needs are simple. Is it Sherilyn Fenn being extremely attractive and mean? Uh, no. Damn no. it. But... <laughs> Uh, apparently get... that's what happens in Boxing Helena, and uh, that really, that, that just gave you, you didn't even need to eat yesterday, you just watched that <laughs> film, and that gave you power to get through she, the entire day. No, but she's just like, she's like, look at this tiny man, he thinks he can control me, I will bully him for this entire, gu- he's got cut off my legs, I'm gonna bully him and tell, he what a, tell him what a puny wimp he is, and be hot, and I'm like, my god, this is, it's not even my birthday. Okay. <laughs> no. Two Moon Junction has Sherilyn Fenn uh, playing a young Southern debutante who, ah! yeah, who who uh, uh, falls in love with a carny, and then and then later, um, I don't remember the context, but let's just say that Christy McNichol shows up and puts uh puts lipstick on her nipples. So yes, okay. Yeah, see? So, I, I'm not I'm not going to steer you wrong. So let's hear about the rest of these horny movies here, because I got to tell you, A, I got notes. I got so many notes. And B, I'm just, I'm fascinated uh, that this is, our, this is our opening gambit conversation. <laughs> yeah, how did we get here? I mean, I mean there's, there's not a lot else to it. It's, it's based, like, what movies can I watch? And they all seem to be from, like, the late 80s, early... No, but oh. based- 
Well, it really, it's, it's, it's from like, like 87 to 95. Mm-hmm. Showgirls is Show, like 96, uh, maybe? Uh, okay, let's stretch it out a little bit and say 98 for the sake of uh, Velvet Goldmine. Um, but like... It really, honestly, I think it started with Showgirls, which is one of these things. Every now and again, I'll reference a film that I'm convinced Chloe must have seen. Right. Like, absolutely convinced. And she'll be like, I've never seen that. And it's so shocking to me that we have to, st- like... Right. Not any film at all, but Mermaids was one of those last uh, year. I loved Mermaids. Right. Cher being hot in the 60s. It's, and it's Cher doing Gilmore Girls. Like, <laughs> how, how could you not have seen that before? And so she, I said something about Showgirls, and she was like, I've never, you know, I've never seen that. And then she basically dared me to watch it with her again and spent the entire movie thinking it was the greatest thing ever. It is the greatest thing ever. For people who haven't seen Showgirls, it's about uh, it's about Nomi Malone, which is sure as shit a name. Mm-hmm. Who's played by Jessie Spano from Saved by the Bell <laughs> from a certain generation. And she is very, she's very tough, you see, because she's had a really hard life. Yeah. And she decides to go to Vegas because she's going to be a dancer. And you can't see the hand motion I just did. But, but she was... actually did one. She really yes. did one. Uh, mm-hmm. she dancer in vegas um so she goes to vegas and she has a really hard time because she gets mugged but she makes friends with somebody and then she's a stripper in vegas but she gets an audition at this big show house where gina gershon is gina gershon of bound bound hotness is uh bound Bound is also on our to watch list again by the way jeff um, yeah and and she ends up uh and she ends up be- she ends up betraying Gina Gershon by literally shoving her down some stairs and fucking Kyle MacLachlan, and, uh, and oh then- yeah, Kyle MacLachlan is just he his I I gotta say that dude deciding to play um, creepy horny weirdos okay, yeah what but no, here's no. the thing Kyle MacLachlan in Showgirls is in a different film because he's still acting as if he's in a David Lynch film. He really is too. He is still like, like every everyone else. Like uh, whatever Nomi Malone's actress uh, Elizabeth something. Elizabeth I don't Berkeley? remember Barkley. Uh, Berkeley. Yeah. Berkeley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like she knows what film she's in, right? Gina Gershon always knows what film she's in, right? Cam mm-hmm. Gottlieb genuinely thinks he's in a David Lynch film, <laughs> and so sort of wanders in with an air of menace and also confusion. And is not afraid to sh- actually lit- literally show his ass quite a bit, actually. In that he does. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you were also really, really disturbed by the Cal McLaughlin um, lap dancing scene. Oh, it's, it's a bit much. It's, it <laughs> and is. That's, and that's coming, y'all, that's coming from me. I I'm mean, a, I'm an absolute dirt bag, and that was a lot. That was a lot. That was worse than the Kurt Russell lap dance in. Uh, in Death Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Wait, didn't they cut that? They cut that. No, wait. Did they put no, that back in? No, when Death Proof got released, like as its own thing, uh-huh. they added that back in, and that's I shit you not about ten minutes of the film. I, oh no, I've yeah, never it's seen really that long. It's, re- it's genuinely <laughs> oh, really long. That's no. Like, but we're watching the we're watching the show, we're watching Showgirls and dear dear sweet Nomi Malone is just straight up naked like there's puss on the screen yeah. and and Kyle MacLachlan Gina Gershon is watching Kyle MacLachlan get this lap dance but she it is such a vigorous lap dance that you would think that she is trying to fuck like the back of his head from like 
his oh, front. It, I, I, the, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. The 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 thing that is that is terrifying about Showgirls is I feel like Paul Verhoeven told Elizabeth Berkeley that her character uses sex as a weapon, and, <laughs> and no one un- meant that that was metaphorical. She yeah, just yeah. literally. <laughs> Yeah, she does asked, that? Uh, like, oh, I can kill people. I, I, yeah, you know, I've seen Robocop. I know what this film. Is. I, I know what she's. Ta- I know what they're talking about. That that sex scene of them in the pool is um, yeah. is disquieting. It's like a National Geographic oh, scene. Okay, but also like genuinely disquieting is this film is camp, like campus shit, right? Like yeah. all the way through right. until you get to the rape scene, which is a lot, like genuinely disturbing and totally off with the rest of the fucking film. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. I don't. I mean, you know, it, it's sort of. I'm like, I I feel I feel frankly, the like showgirls seems like kind of a I don't know, like a cinematic version of Jackass, where where Paul Verhoeven takes on an increasingly risky series of challenges to to break the suspension of disbelief of what you're watching, you know what I mean? So I feel like tonally inconsistent and showgirls are <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, sci- it's like they're, they're inconsistent. It, yeah, it's just it's just there's like an equal sign between the two. I don't know. I, I it's it's interesting. Uh so I just I just know as somebody who went through a very, very long hoe phase that Nomi Malone gave me the representation that I deserve of people who storm out of places naked not, and leave their clothes on accident. Like, she does that a lot in the film. It's kind and, of amazing. I must leave. And she was literally shouting, your clothes are right there. Wow. I, I've been there, but damn. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Get so, it together, Nomi. Uh, okay. Also, Showgirls literally ends setting up a sequel that they never made, and it's been driving me insane. I was is I forget. Is it It literally ends with her going to Hollywood. And she is going it becomes the sequel becomes a, a metafiction piece about how she is going to make a movie called Showgirls. About her experiences. Because here's the thing. You won't remember this because who would? Showgirls ends with her upright, outright like killing a, a dude. Yeah, I feel like somebody dies if not multiple people die. Ra- yeah, she, ra- she kills a rapist. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Good for her. And, and, then, she, and then she's like, and I'm going to hitchhike my way out of Vegas and go to Hollywood. There's a film right there. There's a sequel right there. And they didn't do it. And it's honestly, it's been driving me insane. And in my head, I've been writing that sequel for the last two weeks. Well, that's exciting news. I got to tell you, that's definitely, um, wow. Well, let me tell you, people of Patreon, we've got an extra coming up for you that you will not believe. Uh, As I recall, Showgirls was kind of a commercial flop, though, right? It was a flop. And that's why there was no sequel or anything. I know, but still, it's just, it's it's like Joe Esterhouse couldn't write as a fucking novel. Come on. There was that period there where I don't think Joe Joe Esterhaus couldn't even write a check until you wrote him a check to write a check. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of caught in that kind of loop there. Jeff, so. I have, I I want to like drastically move us onto a different subject, but one that's connected, which is: Have you seen West Side Story yet? No. Jeff, no. 
I know, I know, I know. It was kind of a crazy week, you guys. I I know. I should have done it Sunday night because, of course, because of the drop, I didn't have to do the editing, and I don't remember what happened. But it, yeah, no, believe me, I'm still I'm kicking my ass. Although I did get very high, and I tried watching Nightmare Alley. Uh, have you guys watched that yet? No, because I don't hate myself. Oh, really? I mean, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's a lot. Jeff, did you, Jeff? Did you have? Did you say, "Oh, really?" Over Graham not hating himself. I was about to say, I'm kind of like, and I call you my friend. You know, like, no, 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 no. I sorry, I didn't mean it quite like that. But no, no, I think, I think it was more the amount of dish. Just, just in. The uh, I know, I, I, I Bradley it. Cooper, and honestly, I'm not a massive Game of Thrones fan either. And so. that's where I was. I, I thought you were going for before, before you got to uh, Bradley Cooper, who, honestly, I like for the most part. The thing that kills me in Nightmare Alias. What's that? See, that's it. I didn't watch Alias. I didn't. I didn't pay attention to Bradley Cooper until like shockingly late into his career. So, which is probably You're, the best way. And he did that raccoon voice. I thought this is the guy I'm going to pay attention. Honestly, to. Honestly, he does a great job with the raccoon voice, Graham. So, I mean, that's on you. Uh, <laughs> but no, 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 no. Between that and Del Toro, uh, I started watching it, and I'm like. Ah, the hardest thing about it is it's this thing where Del Toro is kind of like he gets all the 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 money to be sort of you know his kind of his version of visual opulence you know and um and the thing that's really hard about it to me is is that it's sort of it's very it's it's very artifice oriented which like I said I feel like lately I've been more into vibe movies like I'm like oh okay if it's a vibe I can hang with it dune it's a vibe sure yeah okay not a problem nightmare alley it's got to be a vibe it, but the oh, problem with the vibe is that it's 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 really is kind of strung together in a like that classic kind of movie that it it, it has to be nailed down to like one thing to sort one real thing to hold it together and i think in theory that's supposed to be bradley cooper's performance which would work if it wasn't for the fact that they they're playing him like he might be an 18 year old kid or 24 <laughs> like they color his hair and they don't say how old he is and he has a mustache but like there's a real early scene with him where the drunk magician played by david strathern you know reads oh his mind Just and <laughs> You're like no more, please. It's I will die. It's a Garbo del Toro film with a drunk magician played by David Strathern. Yes, yes. Stop he... thrilling you, truck <laughs> oil. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, seriously. There's a, there's a, there is. It is, it is very much that sort of strange. Uh, what can I say? Who did Ron like, Perlman play? What's that? Who does Ron Perlman play? Oh, he plays the circus strongman. Of course, he does. Yeah, see, I was being bitchy because he's always in Gilbert's films. He's but fucking right there, and he I plays a gruff circus strongman. Graham, believe me, Nightmare Alley is your nightmare alley because you it is everything that you hate about Del Toro movies. Nightmare Alley is your nightmare alley because I renamed you. <laughs> I have to admit, I couldn't figure out a way to, to, like, push that, 
Nightmare Alley G. I don't. I don't know. I can't. I yeah. I failed. But the point being, so does Guillermo del Toro. I think. Um, and so I didn't make it into it. But like West Side Story, I want to watch it. But it's kind of you know, it's a serious time commitment, right? Like it's not like Spielberg. It's like two and a half hours or something. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So... Although Vibe movies made me realize that Showgirls wasn't the start of a bad and horny uh, movies. Do you know what was in the film we both forgot? Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which we oh yeah, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is a vibe, Jeff. You can't vibe deny movie it. indeed. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, so next time you're getting high and just wanting to watch something that's absolutely bad shit and makes no sense, but is that has very really much a vibe. great music. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and just go through the whole thing and be like, but really, what what is the story of Z Man? <laughs> Well, so I do want to hear what the other bad, horny movies that you have seen and what else is on, is on the list. I mean, it's kind of constantly growing. If you have <laughs> suggestions, by all means. Like well, I said, it's more a, a start. It's something we're just starting, Jeff. It's I say we. It's well, mostly Chloe because I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. And she's like, fine, I'll watch it while you're working. Yeah. Perfect. I also like I've I've been threatening uh, recently on my Twitter to start my own Patreon where uh, I can put all of my utterly unhinged and totally unprofessional like film and comic reviews that I can't put on neotext because it's just me going I don't care about the queer representation being real as long as it's Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. I <laughs> saw that tweet, which is why I knew that Bound had to be in the card somewhere. And I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, technically. Technically, that is way more queer rep. I mean, to say nothing of the whole retroactive trans factor, like, wasn't it Susie Bright was like the onset lesbian advisor for that? So, like, it it came legit as far as, like, the actual lesbian sex, that, like... They took the lesbian sex consultant very, very seriously. It wasn't just like... Something out there has to use retro trans factor as a science fiction name. Yeah, that is... Honestly, I feel... That's that's where I'm like... I feel like that may well be one of the horny movies that Chloe should be watching. If you guys watched Liquid Sky yet, I feel like Liquid Sky was probably released as retro trans factor. Sky? Yeah. I don't think I've ever even heard of Liquid Sky. What? Really? Crap. I mean, really? I mean, maybe I have, but it doesn't ring a bell right now. Hmm. I well, that was really, uh, that was really early '80s, wasn't it? I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, that's the problem with being old. I mean, you know, like it. I feel like everything was really early '80s, but um, all, all I really remember about that movie is it being like, "Fuck yeah, boners and cocaine." Which is honestly all I really need. Was I right? Did you? It's 1982. Wow, 1982, and yeah, boners and cocaine. That sounds right, but with a with a slight soupçon of like alien horniness. If you're like me and you've never heard of this, let me just read you the first paragraph of the plot description from Wikipedia. Oh, don't just read off of. A new wave fashion show is to be held in a crowded Manhattan nightclub. Among the models are bisexual, cocaine addicted Margaret. And her and her similarly cocaine-addicted nemesis, Jimmy. See? Jimmy. It's got everything. I am <laughs> obsessed with science fiction movies that are like, 
here's a guy named Duncan Idaho. How about a cocaine addicted guy named Jim? Like, <laughs> look, Duncan, look, Duncan has many, many, many things in its favor. The names are not one of them. It's Duncan and Paul and what? Jessica. Yeah, Jessica. That's what the mum's called. It's like, what? Come on, give us some wacky names. Put a few apostrophes in there or something. Put some apostrophes in there. You know what I mean, Jeff. It's the one where they're like, it's Jessica, but it's J apostrophe S S apostrophe C apostrophe or something. No, no, totally. all over that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jessica. Um, hmm. Let me think here. Uh, well, I mean, there. So back when I was in college, well, no, no, no. I take this back. Actually, after I left college, because of when it came out, of course, all it, Betty Blue and uh, the Unbearable Lightness of Being were the big, like, horny oh, movies. Shit. I forgot for, about the Unbearable Lightness of Being. Yeah, for 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 the college youth, it was that was definitely where you tried to skew. See, here's the thing. I was saying this uh, today when explaining Betty Blue. Like, Betty Blue had this reputation as being, like, you know, this crazy, horny movie. Mm-hmm. But it's really about, like, her having a nervous breakdown and, like, fucking up her own life and everyone's around her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. really dark film. Yeah. No, very much so. But everyone loved that first half hour of Yeah, that first one. Yes. Because it's basically, like, a, a, a preemptive parody of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I mean, it could be, could be. I mean, I, that's actually a great way to think of it. I just sort of think of it as just such a, um, oh, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean. Different aspect of it, Jeff. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's that whole whatever, what, Jean-Jacques Benedi, what was it? They were He was like, it was the cinema of feeling or something like that like he was he was trying to do like a real critical like like diva um which you guys must have seen it's not horny right like that seems like a movie that chloe would really be into i would think see i remember all these films because um i want to say it was bbc2 there used to be like a a a strand of programming on sunday nights and (laughs) Start around like ten thirty at night, and it would basically be like, "Here's a pretentious French film." Yeah, if you were like, you and know, you third... being a pretentious art student. I, no, but like this was you for that. It was like me being a pretentious proto art student. I was like thirteen <laughs> and fourteen, and being like, "What's that? I want to understand it. It'll be in black and white with too many cuts and some subtitles. I'm totally going to check it out." And right. you see all the wacky shit. Yeah, no, I remember all that shit. Oh, that's great. And once again, I it's one of those things where I. I the deep disquietude that um, I mostly ignore that you, Graham, have somehow been exposed to everything that I was exposed to at almost exactly the same age or even younger, despite the fact that you are younger than me is deeply. It's the, the whole Time Lord thing is it, it, it makes <laughs> sense. Weird. Let's put it that way. It, it makes a little too much sense. Yeah, but like I didn't get all the shit is the thing. What do you mean, right. get? I, I didn't understand Betty Blue for years. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when I saw it, and I was like 15 or something, I literally was just like, Beatrice Dahl is really fucking hot. I know, Luke, there's, you know, she's fucking. You know? I and, mean, like, the whole emotional depth of the film didn't really land with me because I was like, when is she going to get back to being really hot? Well, I have bad news for you, Graham. 
you basically were at the level of every American college student I I went to school with at the time. So, I mean, I don't think... <laughs> no, but you know I mean? Like, because you, you don't... Or at least I didn't understand all that shit. Like, I genuinely was seeing all these things, you know, at a an quote-unquote early age, but not getting it. Like, I remember seeing Repo Man when I was, like, really young. And again, just didn't get it. And then I saw it later and was like, oh, shit, this is a totally different film. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, like, even watching Beyond the Valley of the Dolls this past time, I feel like I was watching a different film. And I love Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I've always loved Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but I felt like I'm seeing different things in it this time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's the, that's one of the delightful things about art and, and the very definition of a classic, right? Yeah, so, but again, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, right? Is a classic. It genuinely well, okay. is. For, for whatnots who are unfamiliar with Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, it's a Russ Meyer film, I, the guy who did um, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, written by Roger Ebert, and mm-hmm. is like kind of a 1960s hippie exploitation film. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a sexploitation film of some sort. Um, That has some genuinely insane plot twists toward the end. Like, in trying to sell the idea that Los Angeles is, is morally corrupt and is morally corrupting everyone, it goes to fucking places. <laughs> fucking places, in fact. It does actually go to fucking places and fucking places. But, um, you yeah. know, I don't, I genuinely, A, anyone who's not seen this and thinks that sounds like fun, you should definitely watch it. It's, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to spoil the end for those people because part of the joy of the film is going... What the living shit is happening now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's it a, takes a there, turn. There's um there's capes involved though, so that's something. Nudity and capes. Nudity and capes at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my god. I I'm like I'm like there's an entire vampire lesbian genre just waiting for you, Chloe. You must have watched it. But The vampire lesbian, uh, are you talking about Black Kiss by Howard Jacob? Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still talking about movies, so I, I'm talking about, uh, what, Jess, Jess Franco? Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I feel like there, there, you're, you, there's an, a whole sets of 70s Euro filmmakers like running the thin line between art and porn movies entirely with the idea of like okay but capes hear me out capes <laughs> um which, which reminds me to completely again deturn onto a different subject uh chloe said this on twitter but we're both reading bobby gillespie's memoir tenement kid oh i missed that okay. uh which is amazing bobby gillespie of the band Primal scream and also of the band uh jesus mary chain if you go back long enough um, has a memoir out, and it's basically the first half of his life. It goes from like being a kid, kids to the the release of Scream of Delta, so 1990, I think. And it's ridiculously fun. It's ridiculously fun, but it features an unexpected cameo from Grant Morrison. Really? Because Morrison supported uh, Prime Scream and the Jesus and Mary Chain at Nearly Gig. Really. And like, apart, like and, their band opened up for Primal Scream, which when... opened for the Jesus and Mary Chain, and Wait, also was... Biff Bang Pow was also on the same uh, on the same uh, lineup. Huh. But Morrison apparently shows up uh, dressed as a public schoolboy wearing a cape because he was inspired by the Malcolm Mandel film If. 
the genuine weird shout outs I expected to see in that book, Grant Morrison showing up was not one of them. Right. Finding out that Bobby Gillespie was apparently a massive comics fan weirdly makes sense, though. Hmm. Apparently, he was very into Marvel Comics. Really? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Did I... Uh, I... Yes. Sorry. I was going to say, I, I, I've not finished the book, but I highly recommend the book. It hmm. is not well written. <laughs> yeah, but that's the joy of it. Yeah, it, it genuinely is. The joy of it is, it is honestly like some dude is just like, oh god, I love this band. Oh, and then this happens. Oh shit, then this happens. Oh, I fucking love this. Uh, and it's it's compl- like it's so, like it's so badly written, but it's so sincere mm-hmm. that it's just a joy to read. Oh, he huh. does a whole story about how he made friends with the fucking guy from the specials. Yeah, Jerry Dummers. Oh god. <laughs> So just so you are you're so jealous of everyone like he's like I hung out with the specials and then I hung out with you know Iggy Pop and then this guy just happened to be at the backstage and I when I walked past so now we're friends I was 14 at the time and you're like what the fuck <laughs> you know he's like Susie and the Banshees were touring and I met Susie and they hadn't had a record deal yet but we hung out wow and you're like Jesus Christ well, I yeah. had a connection fit when you brought up the Morrison thing because I had just written an essay like six months earlier being like, here's why The Invisibles is exactly a, 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 like based if. off of If. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so I just kind of quietly screamed for... You're like, like I knew I it! I fucking knew it! <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I ever get a, a flag made for your guys' household, I think that... Uh, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just as a as a some sort of royal crest. I don't think I'll put it into Latin, but uh, uh, okay. Well, I I feel I feel although I could I be wrong. Forty five minutes about everything that isn't comics. Well, that is definitely true. But I also feel like every attempt I've I've gone to hear more of the master horny list has, oh, has been shunted away. So that's well, which is totally fine. The master horny list is the thing, right? Mm. Like we're building the horny list as we go. Well, okay, so Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Um, Velvet Goldmine, Boxing sh- Helena. Showgirls. Showgirls, Cat right. People. Uh-huh. Um, the Hunger. The Hunger. Right. Um, um, Girl 6 is on there. Girl 6 is on there. But I yeah, I watched uh, it. Gosh. Dracula um, 8072. Oh, yeah, right. Is, is that still on Shudder or no? Uh, Dracula 8072 was on... Um, oh no! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm blocking. I'm thinking of the Andy Warhol's Dracula. You're talking about the Hammer film, which one. is awesome. I love no, that movie. It's terrible, but yeah. again, it's it's terrible in such a way that is genuinely entertaining. Yeah, that that movie is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's we don't know if this actually fulfills the list or not. But um, also on our to watch list is Wolf, the 1994 werewolf film starring Jack Nicholson. Oh right, and Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never saw but, that. Mm. Well, neither we, but there's something about the trailer, at least, which makes it look like it's going to be such a nightmare that mm-hmm. it will be uh, unmissable. Yes, yes, indeed. So yes. I will pour back on quite how bad that's been when we watched. Well, it. and you guys saw like Witches of Eastwick like last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Through your little Sherathon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What the Sherathon? Wow. Marathon, Sherathon, Sherathon, Marathon. A Sherathon should be it should be an annual thing. 
Right. Well, I was thinking Sherathon, like, yeah, like like a Sherathon marathon, you know, or or maybe Sherathon man, you know what I mean? Where it's kind of like you alternate between watching movies of like Cher and Dustin Hoffman. Talking about a classic that we have never seen before, and it's it's to both of our our, uh, horror, we're watching Dr. Afternoon. Which oh probably, my god, isn't that a that fucking amazing, amazing movie? I, I only yeah. saw it for the first time, like, I don't know, like, I want to say, like, maybe it was just, like, four or five years ago. And and it was, it it's, and I'd heard good things about it. You know, it's it was kind of a 70s touchstone in terms of references. But watching I it, I, I, it's fucking great. I made Edie, who'd never seen it, like, watch it as soon as I was more or less done. I was like, you gotta watch this yeah that was because i I finished watching um network again the other day Mm -hmm. network again is is another it's they're both Stanley limit films or lumet films right i think that's right yeah um and network is just an amazing film Mm -hmm. network is is one of those films that only gets more prescient the the more we go on Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i have a feeling dog the afternoon is going to be the same thing uh, I mean, yeah, in, in, in some ways, I, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't like, you know, remade they're, it. You're like, they remade the for, like Disney history. plus or yeah. something like that, you know, Disney plus likes to remake, um, you know, cheaper by the dozen and dog the afternoon. But when Disney plus remakes dog the afternoon, uh, the opportunity role is played by a dog. Oh, that would be great. Oh man! It's um, CGI John Cassavetes and a, and a CGI dog. It'd be it'd be all dogs go to heaven for Dog Day afternoon. Um, <laughs> uh, that that is kind of amazing. Uh, what was I thinking? Oh right, who, who did Rollerball? Man, that was that was. I finally saw that for the first time, and that was great. That's James Caan. Yeah, right? it's James Caan, and it's uh, directed by Nor- Norman Jewson. Yeah, Norman Jewson. Okay. But um, I haven't I haven't seen that in years. I'd never seen it before, so it was kind of exciting to finally see. I feel like I that was awesome. Am I wrong? What's that? It's really good, right? Oh yeah, it's okay. good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty great. I I thought that that was that one was primo, um, and pretty exciting in the sense of like seeing a a movie that really did inspire like a lot of comic pastiches you know what i mean like it's oh, right. of... well, you can read 2008 rollerball for, yeah. for a few years after that right you know but also um kirby does the does his whole version for kill ball or whatever it is in the middle of the mad bomb stuff and um just because i said 2008 thing reminded me uh coming out next month maybe the month after is uh the art of carl Siskera from 2008 and it's incredible. Yeah, they sent PDFs to press, and Jeff, holy shit! Yeah, uh, it has it. The majority of it is non-dread stuff. Really? Wow. Pre-dread, right? Huh. So you've got uh, early strontium dog stuff, but you've also got El Mestizo. Yeah, El Mestizo. You've got Rat Pack. You've got yeah. a couple of his romance stories in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's got the Dread pilot, which mm-hmm. didn't run in two thousand eighty. The original, original Dread Strip. Holy Wagner, shit. Wagner and Mascara's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's amazing. 
for you know, you and I both have talked on Draw a bunch about how much we love Ascara. Yeah. It's a book that is worthy of Ascara. Yeah, that is amazing. It is shockingly good. It's a really amazing book. Sounds fabulous. I I I also feel like feel like that means that we should start talking about comics. I mean, you know, whatever. Sure. What, why not? Fine. Fine. Chloe, Chloe, frequent guest to the podcast. What are you reading these days? What are you excited about? What are you hyped about, comics wise? Um. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some some interesting stuff. Uh, I read arguably too many of the Eros comics earlier in the month. Oh, right, because you wrote that retrospective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for those unfamiliar, back in the... Uh, uh, I don't want to give away too much because I need people to read my shit. But they're uh, back in Fantagraphics had a part in print. The end. Basically, back in the early '90s, Fantagraphics was 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 shitting the bed, and they said, "Oh God, fix it, make porn." And so they put out all of the they put out Eros Comics, which was this imprint that just had absolute filth in it. And And it started off with like classy. Oh my God! But some of it was just shockingly beautiful and really interesting. And then it just got to be like, "Here's a dinosaur with tits." Which is also valuable to me, mm-hmm. um, but I think no, but, to but, me only. But like, it legitimately starts with like Hochi Anderson does really oh, early yeah. work there. Uh, Gilbert Hernandez it's, it's is Hoch- in there. It's Hochi Anderson's first ever debut in a comic, which is like just disgustingly cool looking, like really abstract and and, and it's very, like Sienkiewicz. Um, yeah, it's part, very, yeah, very, it's very Sienkiewicz. Um, so I, I, I unfortunately had to read a lot of those, which was kind of fun. Um, but otherwise, I've been reading. Uh, I've been I've been absolutely fucking myself by reading a lot of Sam Keith, and not like rereading the Max, which I love, mm-hmm. uh, but like going back and reading Ojo and My Inner Bimbo and uh, I like the wacky shit. Yeah, all the stuff that Zero like, Girl, Zero Girl, and Four Women, and like all these comics that seem to have kind of slipped by the wayside. Cause as soon as you say Sam Keith, somebody's like, Oh, the guy from the max. It's like, well, yes. And, um, <laughs> but to be fair, uh, it's like if the max had a bad trip, that's mm-hmm. what, if the max had a bad trip and then really had to deal with their internalized, like, uh, problems with their feminine side and with their, uh, like, uh, weird over attraction to powerful women and an Oedipus complex, then that's what ha- <laughs> that's what you get with literally any other Sam Keith book. Wow, and it's fabulous! It's so good. None of like half of it doesn't half of the books, especially my inner bimbo, just don't make sense, and it just does it doesn't have to. I I, I had again another thing that I had to write an essay about, but it's a. Uh, like the whole point is it's him like getting all this shit off of his chest and Mm -hmm. the whole comic, when you get to the end of it, it's like, Oh, okay. I kind of see where it landed. Don't understand that. And the, and the book really does answer you back and go, I don't give a shit. (laughs) It like, it, uh, it's Keith basically dealing with the fact that he got married when he was like 16 years old to a woman, 20 years, his senior. Oh, wow. Uh, 
Yeah, and and the book is about a man uh, who, who got married con- as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and, and, de- and dealing with the inadequacy of having to have wanting to live up to this uh, person who you consider immaculate standards, while still trying to discover who you are, but not feeling like you can do that because they need you to be the person that they fell in love with, and like all this stuff, and like a lifetime of not being able to explore who you need to be because you love someone too much and oh fuck it's such a mess um Mm. but there's also a female disapproval sea monster and so (laughs) it ends up being fine (laughs) but no you like you've been reading uh like a chunk but also what is the last thing you read comics wise i'll give you a clue it's downstairs oh yeah um i was fucking around and i found out <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to talk about it too much no, but again, just tell to... people it exists okay so people probably don't know i didn't know back in the late 80s dc comics uh put out a little shop of horrors uh comic a one-shot comic that's about mm-hmm. 30 pages long that ran as the movie was coming out. Right. And Jeff, let and me... it no, it gives it the gold key Star Trek standard of that character looks nothing fucking like Wow <laughs> movie. Like Steve Martin's dentist looks has, like has red curly hair. Has red curly hair and looks like uh and oh I can't even come up with what okay. they look like. But let me tell you the creative team of this, and then we'll move on because I know you do want to write about it. Michael Fleischer wrote mm-hmm. it. Oh, there we go. And Gene Colan drew it. Oh, shit. It's, it's really, it's a great looking comic, but there's just, it's, it's, it does. It has the, it has the, the gold key Star Trek, like, oh, fuck it. We kind of know what this is about, I guess. Wow. Like, sort of. And it's it's the best. It's uh, I found out about this like in passing and immediately spent twenty bucks on it on eBay. <laughs> it's, she literally saw what she was doing. I was like, I've got to buy this comic. The only other time I've seen you do that is with something you haven't been able to get yet, which is the Prince comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone out there has either of the Piranha Press Prince comics. Right? Not really, like, Chloe really wants them. That's not like 70 bajillion dollars. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. do you know who wrote those? Uh, shit. Was it, um, was it McDuffie? Yeah, Dwayne yeah. McDuffie wrote them. Yeah, yeah. They're great. They're so right. great. I would, I, I gotta admit, I, I'm kicking, I'm still kicking myself for not picking them up back in the day. I mean, it's just, it's, it's nuts. Anyway, so yeah. You you've been reading some wacky ass shit. I know. I I can't I can't uh I'm I'm having to read a bunch of wacky shit these days, otherwise I think I'll just go nuts. <laughs> I can't I can't there there's so much like weird comics news happening and I feel like there's so much um like contemporary caped comic stuff that I try to keep up with, even though I'm not really like working in it anymore. Um but none of it's good news, it seems like <laughs> <laughs> bury my head in the sand except the sand is like really really weird shit from 1987 <laughs> I, I totally get it i that makes that believe me that that makes a world of sense you're like uh, you know what i would read tail gunner joe <laughs> <laughs> Sonic wow. 
There you go. There you go. Well, and Atari Force, of course. Atari. I kind of want to read Atari Force. Is Gene Colan and, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez? Yeah, right? right I mean, how bad can that be? Seriously. Although, is it Gene Colan? I thought it was I thought it was Garcia Sorry, Luis. It's Jerry Lopez. Conway, I meant to. Jerry Conway, thank you. All right, I was like, well, I, yeah, I wasn't I, sure if I, I could swap my that G, on. My GCs got mixed up. <laughs> I'm just like, man, imagine that artistic collaboration <laughs> if you can. I uh, some, something that Colin and I both saw was this thing I did the newsletter on yesterday, which is we both got sent a PDF of Mech Memoirs, the Kevin O'Neill oh like fanzine from '76 that's getting reissued. Wow! Yeah, you'll fucking love it. I'm sure I will. I read it, that newsletter about it, being like, "Holy shit!" It's amazing. It, a year before 2008 was launched, uh, Kevin O'Neill. And Jack Adrian, who's who's a pseudonym for Chris, I think Chris Lowther, Chris Lowther, who was like a Fleetway writer. He worked mm. on like there in their issues to then that he did he did some of the like really early dread stuff as well. Um they got together to make basically like robot war comic mm. that is maybe only fourteen pages long and is basically a parody of war comics with robots. Oh, it's and it's just it's fabulous. But it's Kevin O'Neill drawing in a way that like I didn't think he did until later. Like really? it's only drawing as if it's like Nemesis. Hmm. Right? Well, it's yeah. just like, and it's pre two thousand AD. Yeah, yeah, which the, is just the reason there was a second issue apparently is because he went off to work on two thousand AD. Wow. You know, it's just nuts. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, for people who didn't read the newsletter, it's this thing from 76 that's being reissued as part of a new publisher in the UK called Dark and Golden. And I am thrilled about them. Because yeah. it's this, the, uh, it's Douglas Noble who listens to this podcast sometimes. Hi, Douglas. Yes. Uh, uh, and, and Mike Thingy, I've forgotten his last name, of Breakdown Press, who did the Shaky Kane collection. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying to you, I'm saying to Chloe because we were talking about the Shaky Kane collection. Mm. Um, uh, and they basically have decided, like, there's all this stuff that is not from Fleetway in the history of British comics that has just disappeared. Mm. Like, it's not owned by Marvel, it's not owned by Fleetway, it's not owned by DC Thompson. And, you know, there's all this amazing small press work, there's all this amazing independent work that has just disappeared and needs to be brought back. And so they have made this publisher to bring it back, to bring it back in print. And I'm thrilled. I mean, it's just so cool, though, because it's all of these strips that... Um... I mean, there are some that were just, like, little one, two-page little blips that would show up in, like, the uh, computer magazines that became popular, where it would let you you would get, um, oh, God, what was, there was one particular one that I was looking into, and now I can't remember the name of it when I have to. Um, but they did, like, game reviews and, and video game reviews and, and little mini-comics and movie reviews inside these just, like, computer... Mm. Uh, catalog magazine type deal yeah, and like you know some of Boland's earliest artwork to see print like is in you know flyers for comic stores or yeah. like there's Boland artwork for Star Wars toys in 77 oof wow like there's all this shit out there which is just amazing when you discover mm-hmm. you know when you've got a Brian Boland strip and it's literally C-3PO and R2-D2 talking to each other about like you know oh now there's a walrus face figure you know, that shit's nuts. <laughs> the stuff that's out there that, that just has disappeared, you know, has fallen between the cracks. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, wouldn't it be great if we could get some of this back into print? Wouldn't it be great if we could re- basically rebuild the history of comics? Yay! And yeah, and I, I'm I'm thrilled about that. And Meg Memoirs is so fun a read. Um, it's also fascinatingly got a new Kevin O'Neill cover. Oh really? Yeah, O'Neill provided a new cover for it. That's super great. Well, and I think you mentioned that it's being, uh, at his request, it's being published without staples, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Which is just crazy to me. That's amazing. Um, and it's also like really limited edition. Like when this goes up, because this is going to probably go up on Sunday, it's, uh, you can pull this for sale link from the newsletter, uh, Jeff. Mm-hmm. But like it's available in one store in the UK and online, and it's a limited edition of 400. Oh, right. It's and a it's, Gosh Comics. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a Gosh Comics or it's available online, then it's gone. Um, but I like the, this shit is really exciting to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you are, you're the same. You really are interested in like the weird history parts of comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's all I do. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're like, that, that's very much my thing. Um, and so seeing someone who's just like, you know, I, I want to like, I want to bring this shit back is thrilling to me. Yeah, that's uh, that's that is that is great news. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing. Do you know what else they have lined up? I mean, you were talking about some of the some of that general stuff, like the Bull and Star Wars I, art. Yeah, but is I, that yeah, nailed I, down or no? I, I don't I don't know if they're dealing with that at all. Because I mean, oh, okay. the Star Wars stuff, it's like Disney would sue the living shit out of them. Absolutely. I, I don't know what they're planning. I, I don't know what's next. I know that when I did the interview. They mentioned that like Brett Ewins did Chris Packet comic strips, uh, and I remember those. Wow! So if, if they can do a deal with like KP to get the Space Raiders <laughs> strips back, great. I'm into that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what their their plans are, but I just, you know, there's so much. Like there's there's a lot of stuff that even just when I think about what I was reading when I was younger, that there's stuff that just isn't in print anymore. You know, like, you know, Escape Comics. I don't know who controls all the Escape Comics material now. Uh, Escape Comics had, like, a free uh, tabloid-sized newspaper that was free that they gave away for a while called, I think, Blam? Um, And that's got, like, really early Edmund Perryman art in there. You know? Like, I don't know who controls that stuff anymore either. But there's all this material out there. There's all the mini-comics. Like, Eddie Campbell did many comics. Mm-hmm. Ilya did many comics. Oh, that's, like, the one like, that I got you for Christmas. Yeah, like, Woodrow Phoenix did many comics. There's all this stuff that is the earliest work of people who's, you know, who went on to do this amazing stuff or this more famous stuff that has just fallen between the cracks. Half of Deadline, you know? Yeah. It's, it's this seminal material that deserves to be seen by a new audience. Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff out there. There's so much. Well, it's important to remember too. Um, it's it's just nice to see somebody doing this and like really dedicating to it because as much as contemporary 2000 AD uh, and and contemporary British comics overall are really really important, so many of these creators like people forget that these creators that we hold up on these pedestals now, like all of them got relatively humble beginnings and honestly uh, that. I know I, I could get flayed for this one, but like British comics go beyond Judge Dredd, you know? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, this is over. I've got to wrap this up. Sorry. No. Like, like 
British comics and 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 contributors who have even contributed to Judge Dredd like have had a career that is so much bigger and in some cases depending on the era more exciting. Mm-hmm. So like it's really cool to see somebody like really dedicating themselves to branching out and doing this. It's just it's just good. Somebody doing something new. Yes. <laughs> yes, although by something new you mean reprinting something old. But yes, <laughs> it's borrowed and blue, Jeff. It's all of them. Okay, got it, got it. I'm back on the same page. Exciting, uh, Jeff. What have you been reading? Uh, so much manga, you guys. So much. Jeff, can you play a round of is it real or is it fake manga with Chloe? I would love to, but no, I cannot. I can't. Oh. I know, I know. Cause this, so... Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. She didn't listen to the last episodes we did. You could literally just reuse those titles. No way. Really? Why did you listen to the, that, Chloe? My goodness. Okay, she, I'm sorry, I live she... in this fucking house. Yeah, she gets close <laughs> enough of me as is. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Edie's kind of like, nah. If she if she's like oh if great if if she hears that Graham's got a particularly great story lined up yeah she'll she'll drop in for that so uh, she was very excited actually that you did indeed put the uh, Michael Jackson Drock with you reference at the See? beginning of the episode because she she she, she tuned in and was super happy. Stop listening. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no Jeff do you have those titles still I I I. I don't. I mean, they're written down somewhere. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see if I can find them. Give me a sec, because I know I wrote them down. Oh, I, I genuinely would love if you, like, if your weird bullshit detector is as strong as my <laughs> weird bullshit detector. Because the, one of the ones I got was literally luck. Like, my, my bullshit detector was steering me entirely wrong. Okay. All right. All right, so so yes, so there's two sets. My four manga, you you know how the game is played, right, Chloe? You, basically, I, I'm guessing you you say two titles. One of them is nonsense, and one of them is a manga that actually exists. It's four titles. Oh, God. four titles. So three are real, and one is nonsense. That oh, is God. And, okay. you, and you can ask questions. Oh, that's God. Right. right. That won't help me at all. Go on. But my worry, of course, part of me is like, okay, but. But Graham, do you even have a poker face? Like the fact is, like oh, no, you're just, right there in the I, room. I have the thrilled face here, right now. Anyway, here I'm. I'm putting up like a barricade. Oh, she really does. <laughs> All right, this is good. Okay, so so here's the first set. Four uh four titles. I will. I I think the based on viewer uh feedback. I think the the rules that people have suggested make a lot of sense, which is I will tell you the plot of each one. You are allowed to ask one uh, additional question of the title. That seems um, fair. Yeah, in in order to establish its its fair similitude or not. Is it is it hardcore mode if I just go full ham without any questions? <laughs> not that's. I mean, honestly, that I'm into it. I'm into it. So. Uh, okay. So, see, this is the problem. I had to spend a lot of time psyching myself up to go up against Graham, because Graham is just, he's, he's ferocious. All right, so. If you're, if you're you're limiting it to one question, because I asked a lot of questions. That's true. So if you're limiting it to one question, I, uh, Jeff, I, I think you can do this. All right, we'll see, because I haven't really trained up for it, but okay. So, Chloe, first set. Four titles, right? 
Hit me. First, first title, Super Heros, which is to say Super HX Eros. And it is, it is a manga about kids who get superpowers based on how horny they are and so therefore they they are given these special watches they're it's sort of like a power rangers show where they're fighting alien invaders who are there to conquer the human race by draining us of our horniness factor that's the h part so the person who's saving us goes about creating a special wristwatch and gathers together basically japan's horniest teens um, to be able to activate their powers, the clothes blow off, and they they fight monsters. Spectacular, no notes. Okay. <laughs> Second, Caterpillar Girl and Bad Texter Boy. Um, I should say that's Texter, T E X T E R, not Texture. Um, that it is a story, sort of a comedic rom com about. Uh, Two high schoolers. One is an incredibly popular, successful, well-liked girl in the high school. Her next-door neighbor is a loser boy, but she has, of course, loved him from a very early age. Asks him out. She re- He rejects her, and so because he's like, you're too popular, I'm nothing. And so she ends up casting a magic spell that turns her into a ginormous sort of disturbing caterpillar type creature so that she so that she feels now they can be together a very relatable storyline next okay next is get nude for the ghosts which is about (laughs) what's that sorry the title got me (laughs) okay i mean it's fair Anyway, so it's about it's an about an, a high school occult club. You know, all the J- Japanese high schools they've got after school clubs, and occult club is a thing. There's all these students, most of whom have joined because they all have crushes on one of the other members, and there's sort of a lot of you know generic Japanese student tr- stereotype tropes. Anyway, they find out that they can indeed actually see ghosts but only if all of the members of the club get naked at the same time in the same room perfect yes yeah and then the last uh manga is mushroom girls in love uh and this takes place on a planet where essentially fungi become the dominant life form and end up developing sort of human characteristics like the mushroom girls have several different heavy caste systems and it is a uh, it's sort of a, a love adventure story whereby two mushroom girls who do fall in love and get married um, end up having to deal with the jealous mushroom fungus princess who loves one of them and basically tries to um, have the other mushroom girl killed, thus um, running the risk of toppling the surprisingly precarious mushroom girl society. <laughs> okay, Jeff, before Chloe makes her suggestion, 
I'm just going to tell you that the idea of me having a poker face was utterly ruined by the fact that I have just been responding to her reactions. <laughs> it's been amazing. <laughs> like, genuinely amazing. That uh, I like you don't even need to worry about my poker face. I'm just delighted in the either horrified or thrilled faces that she has been doing. <laughs> Why are they mutually exclusive? Uh, okay, do you have That's questions? That's true. Or do you I, want... No, I don't. I. You know what? I'm. I'm. Okay, a, which one's fake? I'm. A, I'm a thrill seeker. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna live on the edge, Chloe. I'm just gonna take a stab at it. Um, which one's fake? Uh, get nude for the ghosts. Damn it! Yes, get nude for the ghosts is indeed <laughs> the fake. Like I got okay, it by luck. Here's the thing. And the only reason why I guessed it, and this is for me, like, I, I have not read a lot of manga for uh, ages and ages and ages. Right. My guess was it was the least fleshed out plot that you had planned. But mm. also, um, like, it being just kind of a random, stereotypical high school, like, oh, everybody's interested in each other. But also the amount of nudity that would have to be present in what is probably like a like teen aged manga story ish mm-hmm. seems uh, <laughs> disbelieving disbelieving also i want to read the mushroom girl one that sounds kick ass it's really good i got to tell you <laughs> the 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 world building on it is kind of fucking great it's really uh, the, the my only regret about it is is that um, it sort of they seem to only have one volume uh, translated. I don't know if that's so far or ever, but it's it's pretty awesome. So yeah, if I can figure out a way to um, send you a copy because it's not just like an open PDF, but yeah, it's good. No, please like it. Please do because that actually sounds like really kind of cool and interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, good. I'm glad. Okay, so is that enough for you, or do you want to try the other the other? No, set no, four? no. We'll carry on. I, I feel like I sated Graham's need. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit peeved that that was so much easier for her than it was for me. Well, no, Graham, because we did two sets with you, and I started with, this is the second set where you got oh, get nude for the ghost, the right? I, or the, okay. Yeah. yeah that was so. immediately. Okay. Yeah, and in fact, I tried to pivot a little bit to to flesh it out a little bit, um, and even still, uh, it did not it did not fly with Chloe. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. So, um, so it's gonna be really fun to talk about the comics that I'm actually reading because you're gonna be like, <laughs> no, that's a you fucking made that up. Um, okay. yeah. Like speed run, Jeff. Tell us the three series you've enjoyed reading most this week. Oh gosh, three? That's really rough. Okay, well, I've been reading, uh, 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 so there's Orochi, the Perfect Edition Volume 1, which just came out. It is a collection of uh, older stories from uh, Kazuo Umez, who is the genius who did Drifting Classroom, which is one of my like just all-time favorites. Yeah, Drifting Classroom is, oh. Anyway, Orochi is... Something that, in a way, I think you guys might both kind of be into in that it is um, horror stories in which um, it's it's almost like a Japanese version of The Phantom Stranger in that the 
the the central character of the story is not the character that the story's about, but rather through sort of supernatural intervention affects the course of the story. So it's it's one of those weird kind of that that area where the Phantom Stranger goes from introducing you know sort of traditional horror stories to kind of starting to participate in them. So uh, Orochi is, when we first see her, she appears to be a um, uh, a homeless woman who takes refuge during a storm in an enormous mansion, but immediately um, uses her psychic powers to manipulate the two sisters who live in the mansion to let her stay there as a maid. And so I was like, okay, so she's the weird character but she's not there's this whole story that unfolds about uh, essentially there is a family curse that uh the the women of the family are incredibly beautiful up until their 18th birthday and then there's essentially a family curse that turns them incredibly hideous and in fact their mother who is this sort of demented monster woman is like upstairs moaning and groaning in 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 the upstairs room um so it's got all these weird gothic trappings but then it goes to places you just cannot have imagined um and then that's followed up by bones which is another absolutely insane story that is is kind of like one of your traditional EC comic stories, except, oh, I don't know if Leo Tolstoy had tried telling it after smoking a lot of PCP. So it's it's pretty great. Um, I've spoken on the podcast before about my love of Fist of the North Star. Volume four of that just came out. And it's great. Not as much of the... Chloe, this reminds me. This is something that I, I wanted to ask. And, and I hope that it's not sort of encroaching on uh, 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 the relationship that we have here in the podcast space. But there was, there, there, was, there was a brief period there where I was sending you lots of notable like crotch and ass shots of like Judge Dredd and like yeah. other characters. And... <laughs> At one point, I, I suggested that you should, like, start a Tumblr site called Chloe Maviel's Action Taint. And yes, I you, that. Oh, I'm so... Well, you must have, because you did not fave that um, at all. And I was <laughs> like, oh, perhaps I went too far. And so I just wanted to ask, did I, did I go too far? Was Chloe Maviel's action taint, like, not a good thing to actually do? Oh, that's you, a or... fabulous idea. I, I have this amazing habit of uh, of receiving really wonderful DMs from people that whose company I really, really enjoy and just going, oh, they're so great, and then I just never respond ever. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I, I'm definitely, I've been there. I, I, I am I, frequently there. But yeah. I have memory of a flea all of the time. Uh, but no, actually, that's... Uh, it just seems like fun. I you have no idea the number of like screenshots of comics and and movies of just like uh like good butts that I have like on my phone and my iPad. <laughs> so it wouldn't actually be that hard. No. To start this. 
I, I seriously, when I thought of it, I'm like, this is a genius idea. And then it was I'll like, you're, that could be something for your Patreon. You want to start a Patreon, start just talking about like the weird comics you've read, the weird movies you've watched, and just share images of characters' butts. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that is that is some content that uh, that people will want to pay for. Anyway, Fist of the North Star, uh, kind of an amazing sort of Bruce Lee in the world of Mad Max, but with lots of like over the top exploding head manga. Um, I find it deeply, deeply, deeply comforting. Um, the only thing that I feel that this series lacked ends up in volume four, where the bad guy looks exactly like uh, Christopher Lambert from 1988. So it's kind of like there's a lot of, um, you know, long haired, lupine face smirking taking up while more people explode. Oh, in fact, I have, I have two questions. Question number one, how did you get from that to Action Saints to this again? Oh, um, because one of the pictures that I think I sent was from the early volume of Fist of the North Star, where the hero more or less kicks like 11 people in his in, in the face in a way that does nothing more than like centers uh, the action hero's crotch. Oh, yeah, like, no, you can see their tonsils. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question number two. Were you specifically looking for someone to look like Christopher Lambert from the mid-80s? Because that's a really niche expectation of comic. You know, Graham, this is another reason why you don't read manga. You just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so, uh, no, I mean, it's that <laughs> thing of, like, this, okay, let me let me set up around the time that Christopher Lambert pops up. There is there is a sequence in like kind of a post-apocalyptic mean guy bar cantina and these these two shitheads bust in and one of them in true classic post-Mad Max way, one's a, a tiny dwarf crouched on this enormous giant's shoulder. And they challenge the people to a game. And if they win, they get a month's worth of food. But if they lose, they 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 lose something very special to them. So they... Are you optimistic or can you just not remember? No, no, no. I'm going to tell you because what happens is one guy who, of course, is starving, hasn't eaten in whatever. He, he actually jumps in front of our hero... Um, to volunteer for this because the bad guys are closing in on the hero to do this. So the game is, and again, because this is sort of like Christopher Lambert, it's it's just right when you know it. It It is, they are arm wrestling, right? But they're arm wrestling on a special table with running buzz saws on each side of the of the people playing. So... Whoever like smacks the arm down just smacks it right into the buzzsaw. So it's a little bit of that Stallone movie, but you know, for kids. Um, I, I mean, with <laughs> an edge for kids. Sorry. I remember that. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. I've been thinking of the Hudsucker Proxy recently and trying to figure out if basically that entire movie was the Coen Brothers making fun of Joel, um, not Schumacher, Joel Silver or not. Um, and I honestly, I still don't know. It doesn't matter. But of course, they keep 
you know, they keep holding up the hula hoop and going, you know, it's for kids. Um, and then there's a whole circular motif that is throughout the whole movie. Anyway, so, so, so yeah. So right after you get the scene where people have to arm wrestle over buzzsaws, Christopher Lambert shows up, you know, smirking and you're like, yes, this has everything. It's basically Fist of the North Star is kind of like all sorts, all of the more amazing 80s trash just sort of finely distilled into like a, 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 a an ink and paper laser beam, if you will. Um, and then finally I started reading uh, Chihara Faru. I'm never going to get pronounced that right. Chihaya Faru. Um, it is going to be wrapping up soon if it has not wrapped it has basically been running since 2007 it is a both a romance manga and a japanese uh sports manga so it's kind of like the the best of both worlds as far as jeff is concerned and the first six chapters are great for the romance but it then goes separates the the three characters of the romantic triangle basically and then you know is slowly bringing them over through the course of the tournaments which are spent playing I guess, jesus i just read like 27 chapters of this and i kataru i think it's it's a japanese card game whereby it's one part memory matching um all the cards it's like the cards are a hundred different small poems that an emperor at one point had commissioned that get turned into this deck of cards. Kartaru people lay, take, take each player take gets to choose 30 of the hundred cards. And then they lay them down on the mat in specific orders. And you can see the poems written on the cards. Everyone gets 15 minutes to memorize the placement of them and then what happens is a um, caller starts to recite the poem and the person who can essentially recognize what the poem is, take the card and slap it out of the playing field first, um, gets to quote unquote remove the card. And then the person with who removes all their cards wins. The person with the most cards at the end loses um so it's it's a it it mixes poetry it mixes action it mixes all this kind of stuff unsurprisingly because this was a huge hit it's a even at the start of this manga it isn't considered a kind of a it, it's almost like if you like built an award-winning manga around go fish and you were so successful like the entire country became you know, uh, incredibly obsessed with like go fish for a couple of years. So, uh, Chiara Faru, I'm up to, I just started reading that on, uh, the 17th. So two days ago, and I'm already at like chapter 28 or something like that. I'm like five <laughs> volumes in or something just absolutely incredibly insane. Um, I genuinely love that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 into it. So I I would have to say those those are my my top three um, that that I've read recently. Okay, the last one in particular sounds absolutely nuts, and I kind of love it. Yeah, I think I think you would be into it, Graham. It's 
Well, I don't know. Maybe you would not, frankly, because, of course, you just frankly, don't have much. Eh, not. On the other hand, I feel like, excuse me, dentist, it's touching me, uh, for which I was lucky enough that both chapters 40 and 41, I didn't realize the new chapter had come out until uh, basically. <laughs> excuse me, dentist, it's touching me is, is back. Is back and better than ever at 41 chapters in. It's fabulous. That is also... Um, right up there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a ride. You know, you can only have so many, uh, comedy manga about, um, Yakuza gangsters who are in love with their transvestite dentist, uh, manga. You can, you can have a lot of them. Well, you can, but not so many that can stir the heart as excuse me, dentist, it's touching me, which I really do feel, I, I'm way too I'm way too emotionally invested in it. So, um, so Graham, how about you? Uh, what what is the what is what is your current obsession du jour, comics wise? Uh, my current obsession du jour is something that I literally just finished last night, which is the new Lawless collection that's coming out from 2080 uh, uh, in a couple of months. Phil and, fucking Winslade, though. Yeah, Phil fucking Winslade is really good. But also, you, I've talked before about my love of, of Lawless. Yes. Uh, first three volumes basically tell a complete story. And then it continues, as as these things do. And what right. I love about the first volume is, to not spoil anything, it pretty much walks back the two big revelations of the third volume, but in such a way that you don't feel cheated. Wow. That seems it, really it manages, hard to do. It manages to somehow, uh, like, completely pivot away from what seemed like resolution for two long-running plots in such a way that you don't feel cheated, which feel, feels really fucking skillful. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that that is that's because I I, like, I I tore through the new collection. Uh, because it, again, it was something that two thousand he sent out in the press list. Um, and I tore through it, and it was only after I finished. It, I was like, "Wait, wait, hang on!" <laughs> like that really satisfying revelation in Volume Three. Have they just kind of undone that? Fuck. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's masterfully done. And again, Phil Winslade's art is just shocking. His art on that is is staggeringly good. Uh, but Abner is up there in terms of what he's doing in, in, with the plot. He's he's really really doing some fun shit there that I really enjoyed. Um, and otherwise, I've spent a lot of this week reading Moon Knight comics because the TV Whoa. show. Right, right. Um, and you know, when I say I've spent a lot of like, I have basically read every incarnation of Moon Knight to some degree in the last week. Wow. Um, which is dizzying. Mm-hmm. I'll be mm-hmm. honest, because there have been a lot of there's been a lot of everything you know is wrong with Moon Knight. A lot yeah, that yeah that kicked in at a certain point and then just didn't just didn't it, stop. Uh, it was like what, what yeah. is, so many of the everything you know is wrong are the same story. Mm-hmm. Are literally the same story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have basically done a you know. Can we do an attack an anatomy lesson for Moon Knight about four times at this point? Mm-hmm. Which is in itself kind of crazy to read in such quick succession. 
Yeah, I would think. Do you have a do you have a do you have a favorite or did you just dislike all of it I, or what was going on? My favorite is the Lemire Small Woodron. Yeah, isn't that stuff good? Oof. It's really good. But again, it's it's also very much in the same vein as what like people were doing ten years before that with the character. Uh which would be what, Charlie Hudson and David Finch? Yeah, the the Finch drawn stuff, which honestly is is the artwork is very much of I was gonna say it's time, but really very much of ten years before that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very but, very much of Todd McFarland's time. Like Charlie Houston and then Dwayne Swarzynski takes over that book. Hmm, that's right. Like, um, I think there's someone in between, maybe even. Um, but there, you know, that, that the, I feel the Lamar stuff is really similar to what Houston was doing. You know, I feel mm-hmm. it pivots very strongly between everything is real or nothing is real. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? uh, and also, at some point, they decided that Conchu was just automatically evil. Yeah, that that seems to be a right. Mm-hmm. You know, it honestly feels kind of lazy at this point. But mm-hmm. if you had lots of like, I'm the fist of Conchu, but what if Conchu is fucked up? Stories, um, yeah. But it's it's I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of stuff I liked. You know, honestly, more stuff I liked than I, I expected to. I was honestly surprised how much I liked the Doug Munch, Bilson Cabbage stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the the yeah the Lemire Smallwood stuff is probably my favorite but like you know even the Sprusinski yeah but even the Sprusinski stuff I, I you know I dug to some degree mm-hmm. the only one I wasn't reading was the, the most recent one the Jed McCabe star stuff and honestly that's just because I didn't get to it mm-hmm. um, but it was you know this this is work related like I'm going to be looking at the I'm going to be writing about the TV show but I didn't have an incredible background like honestly my closest background with the character in comics was when Engelhart was writing them for West Coast Avengers, which uh, I, yeah. like, even then I knew that was an oddity, right? So I was like, mm-hmm. I should read all the other stuff. And thankfully, with Marvel Unlimited, I can read all of it. And this yeah. has been a non-paid promotion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know what else I've been reading and surprisingly liking? Uh, Charles Sewell's Star Wars stuff recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, mostly because I started reading the War of the Bounty Hunters mini he did. Uh, and then abandoned it just because I was like, there's better things to read. <laughs> there's more important things I can read. Uh, and then I went back to it and finished it and found myself very much enjoying it and uh, very amused at how he managed to basically write the Boba Fett that was in the most recent TV show, but make him an interesting character, unlike the TV show. Right. Um, but then, like, it's it's that turns out to be like a uh, they sort of stealth revealed or they revealed after the fact they're like yeah this is part one of a trilogy of miniseries charles Sewell's doing mm. and in the second one he brings back fucking um uh emilia clark from the solo film oh huh. yeah well it's, i mean that happens in more bounty hunters spoilers everyone uh but like she's the central character of the next miniseries which has just started coming on marvel unlimited now and Sewell has this weird thing where like he does everything straight faced but also writes everything skew with enough that you're like, I can't tell if he's laughing with or laughing at this material, and I kind of dig that. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So it's that's uh, that's the War of the Bounty Hunters, and then the um, Star Wars Crimson Dawn, and issue one of Crimson Dawn just showed on Marvel Unlimited this week as well. Yeah. So that 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 stuff has been, I mean, I've been basically reading stuff for work, to be honest. 
you know, and, and but it's been rewarding. Like my fun reading, my personal reading has been the Bobby Gillespie book, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, I highly recommend. Uh, basically, for anyone who wishes that Grant Morrison had written a memoir that wasn't Super Gods, it's the Bobby Gillespie book. Yeah, very much. <laughs> He's, he was basically born a year later in the same neighborhood. <laughs> really? Wow. More That's life. crazy. Huh. Um, yeah, so uh, I highly recommend Tenement Kid by Bobby uh, Gillespie. There you go. That's that's my unexpected recommendation. Also an unpaid promotion. Also an unpaid promotion. But um, if publishers want to send me more books, uh, fine, sure, do that. Oh, shit, you know what I did read? Um, the Rob William Artist Writers and Arts and Books is coming out. 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 Um, which is the most 2080 from 1970s uh, high concept which is what if war criminals held by the Nazis at the very end of World War II were brought to a secret castle because there's experiments going on with fucking vampires. Woo. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that <laughs> so sounds very fun. Probably not as fast as I wanted it to run mm-hmm. because there's something so pulpy about that high concept that I did want it like 2000 AD speeds. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. every five pages, something nuts happens. Uh, right. And it's it's paced like an American comic, for want of a better way of putting it. Well, I mean, we've had the kind of the discussion before about how the the arguably the pacing between the two the the two audiences, both but the pacing that you have to put up with switching from an American audience to a British audience is uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah, but like Rob Williams can write in five page chunks. We've seen this. You know, I, I wish he was doing that without. Um, but no, it's fun. It's a fun book. Uh, I artists and writers and artists have sent me like comp copies of every trade they've done, right? So I've read basically everything they've released in trade by this point. Uh huh. And so many of the things are so close to being great, mm-hmm. but only close to being great. Like they they sent me the Frank Cho thing, Fight Girls, which mm-hmm. again is a two thousand AD concept, right? Which is the Empress of the Galaxy has been di- has been uh, divorced by the, the Emperor of the Galaxy or the King or whatever, right? And so they're going to basically have a, a contest to find out who the new Empress is going to be. And they teleport them into like, here's a dinosaur planet, here's a desert planet, here's a shark planet. And mm. you know, again, that's a great pulpy yeah. idea. That's a great pulpy idea, you know? It's it's too slow uh, an execution to work for me because hmm. it's like an American comic. And American hmm. comics have the pacing of you hold your big reveal for page 19 or 20. Right. You know? Right. And it needs – same without. It needs uh, – fuck that. You're getting your big reveal on page 10. And then you're getting another big reveal. Absolutely. 20. Yeah. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Yep. Um <laughs> So it's a shame because, like, there is some AWA stuff that is really interesting. The um, I think the one the one American comic that I've read that has been like a suspense, you know, sort of new, uh, interesting, high concept thing that has been anywhere close to meeting that criteria for good pacing is uh, Nice House on the Lake. Yeah, yeah. Which which, which is, you know, realistically, it's actually not a fast-paced comic. No, it's but, a really slow comic. But yeah. it is hitting enough crucial points in the build mm-hmm. to keep 
it like interesting and enigmatic enough so that you aren't just going like, okay, but fucking fine, what next then? You're actually going, wait a minute, I wonder if I can figure this out. Huh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And you're, and it's, I think that's doing a, a better job, honestly, than a lot of the... Uh, the oh, AW, yeah, yeah it's, it's a shame because I think AW has so many high concepts. I don't know, like I, I genuinely don't know about the business model for AW and if they are planning on, you know, they have a plan of, well, we just have to sell one thing to media and then, right. you know, it's been worthwhile. But so many of their comics have the potential mm-hmm. to be good for media. Do you know what I mean? Like so many of their comics have a high concept that is genuinely interesting. But in the uh, in the storytelling in comics, it's just too slow. Uh, you know, I should I should mention, because this is something that I read around the time of our last podcast and I forgot to, to mention it, uh, Bermuda by um, John Lehman and Nick Bradshaw. Um, are you guys familiar with it? I'm not. I'm familiar with both those creators. Yeah, and it. Oh my God, Nick Bradshaw does beautiful work. It, it's essentially John Layman doing an all ages revamp of my beloved Skull the Slayer. So, two teenage kids who are uh, offspring of a powerful tech mogul tycoon guy are being flown out to. Uh, see him and get pulled into the Devil's Triangle in Bermuda, transported to a fantastical island that has trapped various, um, you know, there's the pirate part of the island, there's the World War II soldiers part of the island, there's the intelligent, angry fish monsters part of the island, and Bermuda is the uh, is sort of the dashing redhead adventurer who ends up rescuing uh, one of the kids, the other one gets kidnapped by one of the tribes and, uh, you know, they basically go on a rollicking adventure to uh, save her. Yeah. And it's so it's no. very much. Yeah. Sure. Do you know what's weird about that? Hmm. The like children of celebrities slash rich people get lost in Fantastical Island thing is literally set up of a Valiant series from about 10 years ago. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Called Savage. Hmm. Like, well, really the, the like that's that's the beginning of savage huh except well, just like it, then it's basically just like the savage land is like here's some fucking dinosaurs right well and i suppose in that sense if the focus of savage had been on the kazar figure and the kazar figure had been bermuda you know a uh, a uh, tough adventurous 14 year old girl um anyway it's it's really good. It's it's a lot of fun. It looks gorgeous. I grabbed it off of. Uh, yeah, it's well. It says I guess it says it's rated T plus, but I don't know any reason why. There's no swears. It's very much trying to hit the YA comic market, and I and I hope it succeeds. It's a little in that regard. I think Layman's writing is maybe just a little too by the numbers. It's a little too yelly kid. Uh, yeah. in terms of its um uh, characters uh but but it's but it's really fun you can tell they're really trying to you know to touch a commandy touch a skull slayer just and just a lot of really gorgeous stuff 
the Chris Stanley thing, Jonah and the Impossible Monster. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I the first issue of that I I tapped out. I was like, I'll have to come back for the collection. Yeah, because the, I... the trade the trades on Hoopla, and I think you should mm-hmm. revisit the trade because I read it in trade and. I really enjoyed it, but I also was very aware of, like, there's very little happening here. You know what I mean? Like, this works because it's a trade and because there's 120-odd pages. If I was reading this in 20-page chunks, I'd be like, this looks beautiful, however. Right. Right. You know? so, yeah, but it's yeah. first trades on Hoopla, so you might want to uh, go back and check it out. I will. I will. That's a, that's a excellent recommendation as we move toward the end of the month and I do my strange... Uh, check out 15 titles and then re- read maybe three of them. Um, oh, you're lucky. Bad. So I feel like, if nothing else, let is, is it okay if we perhaps each bitch briefly about a comic that we read that we didn't actually <laughs> what enjoy? You clearly want to bitch, and I don't think I have the best thing to bitch about. So, Jeff, why don't you bitch? You really don't have anything to bitch about? You guys must have something up your sleeve. I. I I honestly can't think of anything I'd... Like, nothing springs to mind, Jeff. So why don't you bitch wow. and you'll see, you can see if you prompt a bitch off from us. Well, so like I said, I've been reading a lot of manga, a lot. Um, and there's a couple of books that I picked up, um, some that I were, I'm were i subscribed to via Comixology, and one that I was like, oh, right, Graham mentioned this, I should pick this up. Of course, that's the one I'm going to complain about. Uh, Batman Superman, World's Finest Number 1 by Mark Wade and uh, Dan Mara. Uh, Mora. And uh, I, I, I did me no like. Me no, I, it's a shame because it looks really pretty. But I was curious because part of me is like, well, surely Graham and quite possibly Chloe have read this because they're both kind of DC heads. But are you? Did you? Did you not? I read it a while ago. And I, and it was... I, I'm honestly, beyond the fact that, like, I remember enjoying it, I would be lying if I said I remembered a lot more about it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, I don't know why I didn't like it. I mean, it's really, it's got lots of, um, it's, you know, it's super, it's, super fast paced it's got a whole bunch of characters doom patrol pops up at the end like you got poison ivy and uh metallo in the first few pages and I, you know am i misremembering that it's actually weirdly close to the start of the jeff lobed mcginnis one you know what i think that's part of it i think maybe once uh metallo shows up i'm like oh yeah right this kind of does have a little bit of a batman superman vibe um, and as you know, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of weird. Like, technically, I feel there is no way in hell that Mark Wade could fail to produce a better comic than Jeff Loeb. And yet, uh, I, I, I don't know how it is for you, Chloe, but I would, I would have to say, to the extent that there is a guilty pleasure, I would say that, I would say that the Jeff Loeb Batman Superman run is kind of it. Right? Like, it's surprisingly fun. Have you even read the Jeff <laughs> Yes, because it's one of those books that you leave just sitting out. Aha. Uh-huh. Before. The Jeff Loeb? I don't even own a print copy of the Jeff Loeb. Yes, we do. Oh, no, you're thinking of, of Batman Hush that they said. Am I? Yeah, you're okay. thinking of Batman Hush. 
Because that's terrible. Jeff Loeb makes me tired. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't disagree with you, though. Like, in terms of, uh, you know... I I, I, I I think Hush is a disaster, but I do think that the Loeb Batman Superman is is so manic as to be fun right up until that last arc where it's terrible. Yeah, the the there is I don't know, I don't remember the I blacked out for the final arc, but And then yeah. he isn't. Right. Like he genuinely seems to be building something and then he just like is like, ah fuck it now. Yeah. Yeah, his whole like, oh I can all t- I can tie this all together and no, he does not. Uh, yeah, no, you know, Hush is such a, an, a, a, I mean, Hush is terrible. Who, H- well, I mean, Hush is, I mean, it kind of got fucked over mid storyline. You know what I mean? Like Hush that's terrible, Hush is terrible. Meh. I like, mean, even, I know what you mean. Even before, but... even before mid storyline, Hush is terrible. Yeah, I guess. That's exactly what it says on the tin, but I have so little interest in what it's saying on the tin. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I kind of, I have, I do have a bit of a soft spot for it, but it is, it's, um, it's even harder to justify, I think, than the Batman Superman. It's kind of creepy that, you know, the, the Batman, which I still have not seen, everyone doing, uh, press talks about, uh, Batman Long Halloween, um, as like a big influence on it. And I'm like, ugh, really? Cause that's one where I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I read that in the last like month or so. You did, and what did you think? Or do you even remember? Did it just insta wipe from your brain? Or I had never, I had never read Long Halloween before. Yeah, and let me tell you, that's a comic. Yeah, sure, it's fine. I, okay, so uh, Hush actually was going to be my reference, but now I'm also adding the Long Halloween into it. <laughs> um, it's one of those one of those Batman stories where uh, if I talk to like somebody that does not usually operate within the comic sphere and they say i like batman i assume that they are talking about that kind of batman story if that makes sense yeah that that does make sense to me because one of the things i thought about long halloween is this feels very much like a batman story for a particular reader yes which isn't necessarily yeah i yeah i I don't mean that in a bad sort of way at all but like it's not my batman for want of a better way of putting it Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm um, I do, like you're much more of a Batman reader than I am, Jeff. Yeah, I I would say that that is that is probably true. And and well, the... and, and, and again, I'm not. That's not meant as any sort of take. It's no, just, no, no, no. Right. You like the character more than I do. Like it's yeah. that simple. Um, and I think that Long Halloween works for people who are looking for a certain type of Batman story. Yes, it's just that that's not the Batman story that I'm looking for. Sure, right. Hush is Jim Lee, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, honestly, that's a contributing factor for me. I'm uh, again something that I will totally be flayed over. I'm not a massive Jim Lee fan, uh, and and I think that that again is one of those artists where the average person uh, who you talk to is just like, yeah, I like Batman. That's the first artist that they're probably going to bring up. Again, not a bad thing, but it tells me a lot about how we're going to interact in a conversation about comics. Yeah, it's like oh yeah. And people still thinking about X Men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I like X Men, Jim Lee, and it's like okay, so yeah, like, okay, I, I, got, I, I got you. We're on. Yeah. The, I get where I'm gonna meet you where you're at. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You know. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, Jeff Loeb. Anyway, so. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry it didn't work for you. Like I like I said, I remember liking it. I mm-hmm. honestly don't remember that much more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe says something in and of itself. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Because I, I, I read think... it like three weeks ago, so it wasn't even that long ago. It wasn't that long ago, yeah. <laughs> no. It's true. I, I, it's... it's uh, Yeah, I feel like there is something... There's something about Wade, you know, his, it's funny because, of course, it came out this week, the stories of various people getting their Hero Initiative JLA Avengers copies uh, has been sort of coming out. And and to me, I'm like, oh, right, like, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about this once or twice, like, Wade did the Brave and the Bold with George Perez, and that mm-hmm. was like a huge fucking flop. And... Yes. Um, that was his to, last book, right? Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I think so. I rem- and I remember he was kind of uh, flabbergasted. I think between that and I think the work that maybe he was doing on the Flash with <clears throat> who's that really great artist who, exactly. of course, yeah. before I kind of was stolen away for Marvel. Yeah, exactly, exactly where I was going with the rest of that, except for the name part. And he was like, yeah, I just don't, that's another one where it was like, I was sure this book was going to sell like gangbusters and I just can't figure out why. Yeah, and also like he, I remember he was pissed about what was going on with Legion at the time as well. Because mm. he relaunched the team and then all of a sudden Jeff Johns started using an entirely different version of the team in the other books. Well, it wasn't just Jeff Johns, right? Didn't uh, Brad, Brad... Elf as well, yeah. It was in the yeah. yeah, right. So like basically they just they just uh, shot him. I mean, they really genuinely did shit on him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, oof. Anyway. Uh, so, right. So, it's kind of weird having, uh, reading this first issue of World's Finest, and kind of putting it down like, yeah, this is, this is, uh, I don't know, uh, we'll have to see how the sales go, but if it, if it ends up doing Brave and the Bold numbers all over again, I would not be surprised. Uh, uh, honestly... I would be surprised if it was a massive hit. And if it was, I would honestly put it more down to Dan Moore's art than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Because while Wade did have, you know, that daredevil bump in popularity. Yeah. I would argue that, like, his work at Marvel subsequently sort of quietly put paid to that heat. Yeah, it it does seem like mm-hmm. even like his his Black Widow with Sony again, you know. I know like people are like, oh shit, you know, that's yeah. great. And then he did what? He did a Shield series, I think. He's he's done a lot. He did a lot post Daredevil. Of course, he yeah. went on and did a you know he did that Hulk run that was bad. Uh, you know he <laughs> he did. The Doctor, he's done, he might still be doing Doctor Strange, or he did two separate runs on that. Of course, he did Champions, and then... He basically, was... he basically did one run in Doctor Strange. It was just, they did the Marvel thing of, like, canceling it and relaunching it immediately. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So there's just there's just a whole bunch of stuff that he did that basically people... I, I remember, I feel like Champions burned off a lot of the goodwill that uh, he built up with Daredevil, I think. Um, yeah, but I so, think... Yeah. I already gone by that point it's weird it's this weird thing where like i think wade's star i think when uh, daredevil happened it was a big deal because it was like oh my god he's got a second wind yeah definitely or at least in terms of publicity right because it was like 
oh my god, it's Mark Waid at DC. He's done like Kingdom Come and Flash and Justice League, and he's a big deal. And then he went to Marvel after, you know, there was a cross-gen thing in between, but he went, more or less meant to Marvel, and he was like, I'm doing Fantastic Four, and I was like, he's fucking great. And then he sort of disappeared, and then he came, comes back with Daredevil, and people are like, oh my god, he's still great. But I think, like, I, you know, just, I'd be surprised if, if Mortal's Finest is the thing that's going to put him over the end, over the top again. Yeah, I definitely get that sense as well. And and I think you sort of encapsulated. It's, it's one of the things that's really strange about Wade is there's no way of telling what he's going to hit big with. And I think even he himself doesn't really know. Oh, there was some sort of irredeemable news, wasn't there? Wasn't there uh it's been uh, irredeemable and the other one it's spin off I can't remember what it was called um, yeah they've both been optioned uh, for a TV show right or right. a movie they've been op- optioned for something I, I would have assumed since it was the two of them together they were going to try and work some sort of TV thing into it but uh, but I don't know I don't. I don't know. All I know is is that Marvel's doing a Werewolf by Night special, um, directed by Michael. Yeah, directed by Michael Giacchino. Yeah. The 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 music composer for Lost is like yeah. his. He's directing it. It's fucking Gail Garcia Bernal is playing Werewolf by Night. Like uh, it's it's not his. The first thing he's directed, he did a weird Star Trek YouTube film. Oh. But Okay, but that doesn't that doesn't count, Graham. Everyone who directs directed something before then. I think that because I saw I found that out the other day, and I was like, "What the fuck is he doing directing like a Star Trek short?" But anyway, yeah, but you know, you do your little calling card. You know, everyone does their yeah. little calling card short with their with their Hollywood buddies, and then people yeah. are like, "Oh, you you've got the chops. You can do the and thing." Where by night, Jack Russell is going to make it big finally. Finally, it's it's. Gael Garcia Bernal, man. Come oh, on. That, that reminds me. You heard about Marvel's Secret Invasion comic series, right? What? So Marvel was Marvel in May was launching, and that was as important, a second Secret Invasion series written uh, by Ryan North to theoretically be collected in time for the Disney Plus show, right? Right. And they've just completely pulled it. They solicited issue one, and now they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we'll do it later. Which is, you know, often code for, we're just not going to do this. Right. This is never happening, ever. Yeah, after soliciting issue one of a five-issue series. Huh. Who, who was working on it? Ryan North and other people I can't remember. Oh, Ryan North getting pulled? That kind of sucks. I, I think that would have been, you know, fun. Well, it's gone. It's not happening. Man, uh, all right. Well, you know, um, that's weird. That's yeah, really I'm weird. Genuinely, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Chloe, we've done two hours. I think it's time we start roughing things up. Oh, fine, just fine. There was forty-five minutes of which was talking about horny movies, mostly showgirls. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's. That's the kind of that's the kind of chaos that the fans uh, expect you to bring to our door, Chloe, and that and they welcome it. Um, I'm and we happy do too. To deliver. <laughs> <laughs> 
In in fact, I'm hoping you can come back next month with a horny movie update, particularly because I really want you to see Two Moon Junction because that that movie. A horny movie update. <laughs> can we, can, just once a month, this five minutes. Just let me go wild, and we'll call it Chloe's Horny Corner. <laughs> Oh yeah, the 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 horner corner, the no, the no, Chloe's no, horny corny, or no, no, and then we no. could get like theme music. Yeah, that would be great. It's just really, really unhinged calliope sounds. <laughs> that would be awesome. I have to say, I so Graham, you're you're green lighting this, right? Like this is. He's so, he's visibly upset. <laughs> why, why would you do this? His arms are crossed. His arms are crossed. I'm rocking back and forth. He's pinching the bridge of his nose and then like crossing his arms really huffily. Oh, that is well. My work here is done. <laughs> I, you know what? I think he would be fine if he didn't have to watch so many of these fucking movies. Well, yeah, that's the thing. He can't. He I'm can't dead. escape. I know. I know. You're what really you going to thank me for two more junction. I won. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh gosh, like what was that terrible? Was it Zandalee? The Nicol- Was that Nicholas Cage in New Orleans? What's that Nicholas Cage? That's another Zalman oh, King no. one, and that one's I can't remember who the actress is on that, but that yeah. is not. That's not good. That was, you know, there was that brief period, and this may be the era that you're visiting, where it seemed like, like seventy percent of all sex machines, seventy percent of all sex scenes had to happen on or near a washing machine. You know, and I really feel like that was Zandali was was the was the height of that. Yeah, Nicholas Nicholas Cage and Judge Reinhold. And Steve Buscemi, <laughs> oh, and Joe Pantaleone, and Marissa Tomei, and Erica uh, Anderson in Zandali, a 1991 American erotic thriller. Yep. Yeah. Bless. You're welcome. You yep. lost my attention, and then you said Marissa Tomei, and, and it got back into it. So. You're like, oh, wait, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, I, and you know, I did come up with two that need to be added on there. Just, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but God, <laughs> you've got me on a roll. So, Crash... Because I can talk all day about James Spader fucking a leg wound. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That crash. But also, um, there's this one German movie called Wetlands that is uh, basically just about, like, hemorrhoids and fucking. And... It's it's grotesque. Weirdly enough, I remember you telling me and, about that. And it is an utterly grotesque film, and it's it's spectacular. <laughs> like wow, if, if you're just a nasty dirtbag of a human, you watch it and you go, "Yeah, all right, yeah, okay." Um, so... This is literally the shit I'm going to have to watch for the next month, Jeff. Yay! Yeah, this is this is terrific. Okay, well, I like. <laughs> Honestly, if you said this is horrific, you're right. The 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 idea that I can actually contribute movies that I want Chloe to watch and I also want you to have to watch if you understand the difference is is pretty thrilling, I have to say. This is uh this is I'm pretty excited about the next couple of months here. Yay, thanks Jeff. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead with wrapping this shit up. 
before it's much worse. By saying there's going to be show notes for this episode, Jeff Lester, up at waitwhatpodcast.com. By the time you hear this, um, we have a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcasts. Uh, Clay has a Twitter account at punkrockmomjeans, which is punk the way it's normally spelled. P-U-N-K-R-O-K-M-O-N-J-E-A-N-S. She can see she's good. Uh, Jeff's lazy bastard is L A Z Y B S T I D. I am Graham M at G R A E M. Oh God! See again. I, I oh man, it's amazing. It's Just fucking spell my first name and add name. That's it. Uh, we're a patron support the podcast. Jeff, do some talking. Uh, I'm gonna make it fast because, of course, we ran long. But let's just say I realize now, listeners. You're great. We so appreciate you. We appreciate the fact that you give us your your ears, your energy. You shoot us little uh, uh, notes via the email address or at, at us on Twitter, which is awesome. A lot of great, super thoughtful, really good um, uh, comments in our various show notes. And I was going to say, people who follow our show notes, which I don't think is necessarily as large uh, an audience as, as the people who listen to us, which is fine. But those who follow it regularly know that usually about once a month, uh, maybe once every other month, I just basically get tired of looking for appropriate comic okay. pages and crop them and i just upload um youtube videos that i feel are appropriate which they frequently are since there's going to be you know a certain amount of uh media talk in each one of our episodes and thanks to chloe's appearance please turn out for the show notes because goddamn i'm really looking forward to the youtube clips that i'm going to be putting up uh based on this episode very exciting to me very, very exciting. Also, I uh, want to thank the uh, fine people at Patreon who uh, throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh uh, every month. Um, it further inspires us, definitely keeps us um, recording on a on a regular schedule. And even we do bonus uh, podcasts such as Baxter Building, uh, our read-through of the first 416 issues of Fantastic Four, and Drock, where we are currently reading all of Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files. I, as someone pointed out, I believe it was Matthew Murray pointed out on our most recent show notes, um, the episode of uh, the volume of Judge Dredd Case Files that we read, I think, was the first volume that has come out since we had started doing Drock. So we are... We're catching up. We're 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 going to be passing the volumes relatively somewhat soon. So well, I think they also pointed out that um, that was the last volume that was published before nine eleven. Oh wow! Oh wait, not the volume was published before nine eleven. The stories, yeah, like the right? Stories, the stories, stories they're in. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, which uh, right? That is also kind of a sobering thought because. Where will that go now, I wonder? Um, special thanks to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for continued support of this podcast. And, you know, the this, this corner, I don't actually want to critique her because I think she's been doing a fine job. People uh, uh, might remember that uh, the Earth was recently hit by a... Um, what was it called? The, the measurement was great. Like, basically a giraffe-sized asteroid uh hit the planet what? recently but 
there was no yeah 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 and it was kind of it was kind of a thing because people are like wait giraffe sized is that how we're actually measuring celestial bodies now anyway it was a thing um don't make me google it i had no idea really oh well there you have it uh, mm-hmm. My 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 Google search for giraffe-sized astronaut asteroids is I also almost said giraffe-sized astronauts, which is a, a Yay, totally different that's thing. A different yeah, thing. I was about to say. I'm like, yeah, that's that's, that's the Mobius book that we want to read. Um, giraffe-sized asteroid collision. Wait, maybe it was only half a giraffe. Is that is that one of those problems that I've got a <laughs> half giraffe-sized asteroid hits Earth? Um, sure. Oh, according to the Daily Mail, shit. Okay, then it probably didn't happen. Never mind. Everyone says now it's asteroid the size of a grand piano. I don't oh, know. I feel. I there's... don't. What's the difference difference between a grand piano and an ast- and a giraffe? And, half, and half a giraffe. And a giraffe. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's the setup for a spectacular joke. It, it does feel like a, a, a joke setup, but um, but it's not a joke we're making right now. No, it is not. Um, tune in in two weeks and see if we... Yeah, yeah right. Because I guess it's a skip week, next, right? Next week we're off. And yeah. then uh, we're back in two weeks with a Wait Watch where... I mean, who the fuck knows what's going to happen in comics between now and then? How many people can end Pisker piss off? We'll find out. That's <laughs> awesome. Um Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, until then, bye!